Restore Gospel Podcast is happy to present episode four, Stories of the Saints. Today's guest is, I'm very excited about, um, my friend Ed Turner. Do you go by Ed or Eddie or Edward if you're in trouble? Or would, would <laughs> Ed, you? Ed, is, Ed is good. Ed is good, okay. So brother Ed Turner's here. I say brother because he is a minister for the Lord. Um, he's also known as, is it? Captain uh, Major 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 Ed Turner of the Independence Police Department. Correct. Okay. Well, very good. Um, Ed, I wanted to just talk about the first time you and I met, so our listeners know uh, the connection we have. I believe I had just moved here from Ohio, and that was around '95, and I was a member of the Belton Restoration Branch. There was a pastor there at the time was Dan Elliott. And I think you were in college, was it 95, 96, might have been around there. You were in college at uh, Warrensburg. Yes. Yeah, what was it, CMSU then? Mm, correct. Right, yeah, so now it's UCM. <laughs> yep. Um, and there was a, I think they still have it, RCI or Restoration, what was yeah. the name yeah, of it? Yeah, it was R- RCI. RCI or RCM, Restoration Campus Ministries. Anyway, so you guys had like weekly um, classes, right? And Dan was kind of the one at the time going down and teaching. Yeah. And actually at the time I was really, I was kind of in the peripheral of that. I, uh, had met, uh, Stephanie, then Jenkins, uh, later married. Right. And so we, um, we had become in, involved in being connected with that. And so I wasn't a church member at the time. Right. And, um, that's another testimony maybe you can share later, but, is uh, I got to know several of the people just from my experience of being uh, around that ministry, around the campus, and uh, and that that's yeah where we first met is about mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, and um, I, yeah, I, I do remember seeing you at one of those meetings, uh, and Dan got me involved, and then I, I went down and kind of followed for a while, but that was the first time I met you, and. We knew each other, and we must have seen each other from time to time at different functions. But I remember, and you may not remember this, Ed, it was many years later, and I was working at, I was working for a church group uh, here in town. You know, I had gone to college back in the late 80s, early 90s for criminal justice, was a police officer, and I knew you had, had uh, were in criminal justice as well in school. So anyway, it was just kind of weird. A number of years later, you know, here I am. I'm working for this church group, packing boxes in a cave. And I was in Backyard Burger with a friend. I think I had on probably cut off shorts and just dirty and sweaty. And you were in there with your uh, police officer friends, you know, and you all were decked out in your gear. And you came over and I don't know if you gave me a hug or not, but you were so joyful to see me and just didn't care in the middle. Of and, and I thought... No respecter of persons. I, I, I just, that meant a lot to me. And you may not even remember that, but uh, but that was really cool that you took time because we hadn't seen each other for quite some time. I don't know, but that was nice. Yeah, and I, you know, I remember those occasions and, um, you know, you, your ministry touched my life early before I was uh, uh, converted to the gospel. And I had opportunity to, to hear your ministry and music, and I, I had played the, that cd if you could wear a cd out i probably would have worn, <laughs> worn yours out uh from the 90s and okay and i remember uh and so i remember the ministry you were providing 
uh, at that point and how it was ministering to me years later. And so um, not that that was necessary for me to make that sure. connection with you, but it was a it was a uh, a conduit really okay. to connecting us and how your ministry was touching people and and even really that's how I've seen it in our lives is that we are connecting with people all the time that we don't recognize and it's not our responsibility to get to know why mm-hmm. but it's just to respond and to make those connections so. Uh, yeah, I was. I'm always thankful to see you and and the ability to to reconnect with you, even though years might pass between those times. Right. It just feels like there's that that spiritual connection that makes us brothers in Christ. We were talking before we start, before we hit record, and and said, you know, our knowledge of each other goes way back, but we can't. I couldn't say that I'm especially close to you, other than like you said, Weston will come home from school and be like, Ed was there and did chapel today, and so. I know of your ministry and the things you provide to others, uh, and we'll get into that here. So, yeah, that is that is neat. But yet, you and I sit down, like we said, we're, we're sitting across the table from each other, and I feel that bond because we're brothers in Christ, and that is so cool because I don't know anywhere else in the world that, that you have that kind of connection <laughs> or any other place. So It's a blessing. Yeah. All right, so... We got to start off, Ed. Of course, when I was a young boy, man, I remember seeing the lights on top of the cop car, and I knew what I wanted to be from the time I was probably six years old. I want to be a police officer. So I went to school, and I did that. But you're a police officer. How long have you been in law enforcement? Uh, 24 years. Wow. I, can you retire at 25? Or um, <laughs> Well, the way it's set up is uh, to get retirement, you have to be 55. So gotcha. I'm 47. Oh. So I've got a few years okay. left. Okay. <laughs> So did you always want to be a police officer? Well, I didn't know it, but I think um, the Lord, of course, knew it. Um, my my pathway was kind of rough growing up as a kid, many blessings, but I had a lot, of, a lot of hurdles like most people do. And I found that I was always breaking up fights between my friends. I was jumping <laughs> in the middle. They would call me when they got in trouble to come help them. And, and mm. uh, you know, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. I was just responding. And... Um, and I had a, you know, had a part of that rough part of my growing up as a, I remember being in third grade. I was uh, some something a lot of people don't know was I grew up with a learning disability. I had was in special classes growing up, and and I remember going to counseling as a child in third grade. And my mom didn't tell me this till several years later, but uh, the counselor said, "If you could have one thing in all the world, what would it be?" And uh, here's, I guess I was about nine, I said, uh, peace. And, wow. and, and so I guess sometimes I look back at that and we look at our life's experiences and we, uh, we kind of scratch our head trying to understand why we have experiences or why we have trials. And so it's sometimes a, we don't recognize the necessity of that experience until later on in life if we diligently seek the Lord. And so for me, that ability to, uh, from a young boy to strive to have peace, to eventually become and get into law enforcement to be a peacemaker um, and to get into the gospel of peace uh, has been a, a, a pathway, which, uh, again, I could, uh, I feel like I fill a lot of hours trying to, I, I really believe your life is a walking testimony when we uh, honestly step back and reflect upon it. So it's a long answer to maybe a no, shorter it's... question, but ultimately... Um, I, I work in my vocation, uh, believing that it, it's a calling, it's a calling to serve. 
And so much like being called into the ministry to serve people in the, in the gospel and the church, uh, so it is with the work of being in the law enforcement. It's a calling to serve. And if you're in it for another reason, it could be a little sketchy at times yeah. to stay in that. Yeah. That, um, so you 25, I'm trying to, so I'm I'm bad at math on the fly here. So what, what year did you start with independence? Um, I start, well, I started the police Academy in 95. Okay. Um, July 95 graduated July, I'm sorry, December 95. And then I was actually, uh, worked for Lake Lottawana for about a year and then for Green Valley for two and a half years. Okay. And then I, uh, I started with independence in nine May, I'm sorry, April of 98. Okay. So I've been here since then. All right. That's, a. um, well, let's let's back up just a just a second. So you, before we get into that, I'm I'm, I'm I think linearly. So I'm thinking. <laughs> so you're in college. You said you met uh, a little gal named Stephanie. Yeah, right. That's fine. And um, yeah, tell me about meeting her. So first of all, did you grow up in a Christian family? Any background church? Oh, or? sure. Well, I I grew up uh, with goodly parents. You know, I. I I had a, again, I had some, we had troubles and things like everybody does. And, um, but I found out that, um, through that process of knowing, I, I knew there was a guy, but I didn't know him and I didn't understand him. And like most kids nowadays or children, but I, uh, I got to a point where to kind of lead into what you're talking about with Stephanie. I got to a point where um, I was in college and I did all the things that college kids were doing and I didn't have a standard really that I was living by. Uh, again, I, uh, I knew there was a God, but I didn't know much about him. And so um, I got to a point where nothing was working out for me and I really got to a point where I didn't have a choice. The Lord allowed me to, to go my way until I couldn't go anymore. Mm. And so I remember go, asking the Lord, um, <clears throat> a really simple prayer because uh, I didn't, uh, I knew there, like I said, I knew there was a God. So I said, Lord, um, I knew I, my life was kind of messed up. And I said, uh, give me, give me what I need. And it was a really s- simple prayer, but th- within just a few weeks, I don't remember exactly. Um, my sister set me up on a blind date, <laughs> the oh, first blind man. date I'd ever been on. And it was with, with Stephanie uh-huh. and, uh, Lo and behold, she has her own testimony on her side of some things that she was going through and how she had given up and turned it over. She pulled her car to the side of the road in the middle of nowhere and just looked up in the sky and told the Lord he's going to have to take over. And uh, it's unique how the Lord works in the lives of the people. And and so it was that we uh, we met and were, were married in a relatively short time later. And and then that was been, that's been over 22 years ago that we uh. were married. So. You, did you grow up around this area? Where are you from? I'm from Sedalia and Marshall. Okay. And so my you know, my uh, grandfather was a Lutheran minister, um, and and both on the East Coast and St. Louis. And so my mom and uh, her all her family grew up in, mm-hmm. in around the 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 Word of God, and, and and my dad not as much, but had family that was engaged in different okay. faiths. So. So you, so so Stephanie offers a prayer to the Lord. About the same time, you're offering a prayer to the Lord. Give me what I need. What a what a great prayer that is. Rather than trying to direct, I mean, what an honest, just give me what I need. And here you guys get set up on a blind date, and I imagine that took off 
pretty quickly that you thought, hmm, this is probably. <laughs> yes, yeah, and I had spent, uh, at the time, I, I had uh, knew that it, my way was failing, and uh, and so the way the Lord had opened up these windows of opportunity for us to move through mm-hmm. were, uh, I, he was just involved in that process, and there's no other way to, and I think most people that have a testimony, you can try to articulate that to others, but unless you're living it, you recognize all the the nuances that are going on in your life at the same time, and he brings all these things together at his timing. And so it was a it's true blessing and a testimony that I stand on. So for the for the young people listening, just expound on when you say my way was failing, what does that look like? I mean, you were you weren't failing in school, you were you were doing accomplishing things, but when you say my way was failing lack of peace inside sure that I kind was, of thing or? yeah absolutely and so um i know i spend a lot of time with the youth um and i i think it's relevant that they understand that sometimes they look in the lives of the of the older people and they think oh they've got it all together i they're trying to and sometimes as youth you're trying to set your uh, benchmark to somebody that has gone through a lot of trial and that has had to learn through sometimes a life of hard knocks or just by being obedient to the Lord. And so um, for, for them to know that um, it's natural, it's very natural for us to want to do what we want to do in the flesh. It just, it's just a natural thing. We're, we're, we're drawn to the world, and the world wants us to follow what they say is right. And by and large, you can do that for a short, t- short time. But if you continue on that pathway, it just there's there's no you don't reach a position of peace or of understanding that God's love uh, overcomes all the trials of the world and the trials continue to weigh you down. And so for me, I was caught up in that world of doing the things that the world wanted me to do, doing the things that the flesh wanted to do, and and it really wasn't leading to any peace or any understanding. Or um, ultimately, though. Um, you know, I've found that the God has patterns and throughout his word. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter eight, which also relates to a testimony I have, uh, on how it is that the Lord, uh, allows us to, to be led out in these places of the desert places in the wilderness where, um, all the voices are drowned out and you don't have a choice, but to seek him out. And, uh, and it's a pattern that he's used the Israelites to use it today in our lives individually. Mm. Mm. But. Well, so you, uh, you, you met Stephanie and that, that's probably where I first met you and cause you were coming at least to one of those meetings. Um, but where I learned of you. And so you guys end up, uh, getting married, um, did you join the church before you were married? Did oh, well, tell me about this guy. So you, you meet Stephanie, and you probably hear this new gospel. <laughs> it certainly wasn't the Lutheran gospel. No, tell me no, about and that. I, and and my uh, my mom had gotten out of the Lutheran church at the time, and um, and we were in a non denomination. I grew up pretty much in a non denominational okay. church from grade school on, and uh, so yeah, so I was intrigued you know in in sense that i was just searching for for answers of life at that time and um uh, something else that's really relevant to that prayer that i asked lord give me what i need it need um the lord knew i was praying about my relationships i had you know i was chewing tobacco and i've been drinking alcohol in college and doing Mm -hmm. things that you, you shouldn't do and um i found that um 
I remember reflecting back and saying, if I wanted to be married to a wife, would I want her to do these things? And would I want her to smoke or would I want her to be engaged in any of these things of the world? And I said, no. And so for me, I remember praying to the Lord Mm -hmm. saying, Lord, um, I'm going to stop chewing tobacco. And, uh, and I was able to do that. And I remember these words were impressed upon me. I, I, I said, is there really anything I think the Lord cannot do? And if I really believe that, and if I offer that prayer to have him help me do something that's a, that's a difficult task, do I think he can't do it? I mean, and so ultimately it gives it gave me strength to know that if I really have faith believing that he's, he can do these things and I turn them over to him fully, then I have to trust that it's going to happen. And it's it was and those are the little things that through life's experiences I find that he's always there. He's always present. He's always trying to help you um, engage and learn how you can come back to him And as we become wayward at times. Um, but I lost my train of thought when we were really originally going on that. Uh, I was so engaged. At, we, well, we had talked about the gospel. Like you, When you met Stephanie, you, certainly you came to know <laughs> about the gospel. But I love what you just said. I love your... Uh, your forethought of both of those prayers that um, is so simple, and yet you just you asked a prayer for the Lord to help you to quit chewing tobacco with the simple premise of is he strong enough? Is he the God that I think he is? Of course he is. What a great premonition because how many times do we go to the Lord in prayer but our mind isn't or our heart isn't in that place? You know, there's a seed of doubt, and that's just a simple, beautiful prayer. Yeah, If I could elaborate just a little bit more on something that you had mentioned about that connection back into the gospel, how I grew up in in my faith, my walk in faith as a child. Um, My testimony is that oftentimes I think I know uh, that we have testimonies that are happening all the time. And sometimes people look back in the Old Testament or look back in different times of the church and say, oh, I wish, I wish I'd, you know, all these things. And and it's been my my understanding and knowledge that we're living a testimony mm-hmm. right now. And unfortunately, we need the answers to be revealed to us. And sometimes those are not revealed till years later. And so one experience of that happened here uh, when I was about 17 years old, living in uh, Sedalia, the house faced the east, and lived in a little semi-cul-de-sac there on the uh, east, on the, uh, sorry, the west side of town. And um, I remember on a couple occasions, I'm walking out and seeing the sun crest over the horizon of the, of the earth and coming up, and I remember something coming over me, and I didn't know what the spirit was, I didn't understand it, never really talked about it in church, and there at that moment, something just flooded me. And I remember stopping right in the driveway before I got to my car that was parked in the side of the, on the road. And, and this is what was told to me is like, you have something to say. And I was here. I'm a 17 year old kid. I'm thinking, what's that mean? And, and then I thought the first question that came out of my head, well, who do I, who am I going to say it to? And what do I say? And then I, I was active in sports. I literally year round. I was always in an activity of sport and engaged. And and I thought, well, maybe I'm gonna be in some arena and sport arena and standing there and have all these people. And then and then then the question came to me actually. Then it was, well, what would you say? And I never had an answer to that. I didn't. In mm-hmm. fact, as the years had gone by, I had really that experience 
had just kind of gone away. I had never really reflected back on it after a couple of years and, and moved on. And so here it is years later, um, a few years later, and I'm in the, in the throes of life and college life. And I, uh, I say that simple prayer, Lord, give me what I need. And, um, I was thinking about my, my wife, uh, my help And yet I, uh, I came across this scripture in the Book of Mormon, and as soon as I read this, that experience of watching that sunrise from the east came to me, uh. and it was a testament that the Lord was working with me even as a teenager, a young, a young man. And if I could read that, sure. uh, and these words are found in the Book of Alma, chapter 15, and I'm just going to read verse uh, 52 and 61. You could read a little bit above and below that, but... So here, here's what it says in Alma 15. <clears throat> and this is the answer to my experience, if you will, um, as a 17-year-old boy. It says, Oh, that I were an angel and can have the wish in mine heart that I might go forth and speak with the trump of God with a voice to shake the earth and cry repentance unto every people. Yea, and this is my glory that perhaps... I may be an instrument in the hands of God to bring some soul to repentance, and this is my joy. Hmm. And and when I read this portion of uh, Alma, that experience of what am I supposed to say and do and who would I say it to were all confirmed to me that the Lord was working with me back then and that through that process of being called into the ministry and being in service to the Lord and, and, and serving the people that I, I call people to repentance and let them know that the Lord has a better way. And we have a gift of repentance through his son, Jesus Christ. And, uh, and what joy and peace we have in the process of learning that his love abounds all these things of this world. But I, I could go on and on. I don't, I didn't mean to yeah, carry this, on. You're here to carry on. <laughs> this is, that is a, um, what a beautiful thing that, um, what a beautiful testimony. I, I, it's hard to follow up with a question because I'm listening to you and getting caught up in a moment, but you said something about this, that, and that's why we're doing the stories of the saints because there are testimonies being lived out in the lives of people every day and I think sometimes we look way back to the past or you know we we hear these famous stories that are passed on through generations and I want people to have the opportunity to share exactly what you just did I mean what you just shared was absolutely amazing the Lord had his finger on you and knew about you personally when you were 17 years old and then to see that played out years later as you're reading that scripture and as you um you come into contact with the gospel that you realize he was calling you back then something to say, right? Yeah. 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 He, he has a, he has a pathway. He wants all of us to, to find. And I think, um, he knows that he's always leading us to that pathway. And sometimes, um, you know, like the scripture, like that, uh, him come thou fount prone to, uh, wander Lord to oh, yeah. leave the, the God I love. And, and so, you know, and for the youth out there, particularly, um, the sooner that you can realize that's your nature to, to wander, uh, you recognize you, you, 
we have a tendency to say woulda, coulda, shoulda, and we live in the past tense, and I woulda or coulda or shoulda done that, and all we're doing is causing to really when you look back in life at the things that you that you missed or you, you kind of you can bring depression upon your, yourself sure. because you think back to those things and when you looking too far forward and you're concerned about all the things ahead you get anxiety and so but to live in the moment you can have peace to know that the lord <laughs> has used all the things in your past that we wanted that the adversary wants us to draw us back to say how bad you were or how how you uh, couldn't do this or shouldn't do that and and then or he wants us to be anxious about what the Lord has in store. But in the process of that, we, we forego the peace that's provided to us in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's not an easy thing. It's not something you can flip a switch. It's a matter of just understanding that um, we, we want to be in control of all aspects of life, and particularly me and my vocation. That's a life-saving matter is to be in control of my environment. But Ultimately, we have to learn to let that go and say, the Lord's got this under control. We have to do our, we have to come and serve him with all our heart, my mind and strength. But we forego the peace of the moment because we're stuck in the past or looking too much oh, to the future. <clears throat> you said something really important. You said, and that's one of my absolute favorite hymns, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. You just said the sooner, um, Speaking especially to youth, the sooner that we understand that we're prone to wander, that is a key, I think, Ed. And in the church, we probably don't do a good job of fostering that, and rather we we do the opposite. <clears throat> we try to put on a face of I'm not a sinner and I'm perfect and things are good in my life and I am in control. When on the other side, the real freedom comes from saying, man, I am prone to wander, and that's the nature of every human being. Because Satan kind of likes to keep us uh, feeling worse about ourselves sure. than other people. And yep. so I love how honest you were with that. The sooner we admit that and realize it, then um, true peace can come. Yeah, yeah. We, I, for me anyways, and that was – and for those that might hear this, this isn't something that I picked up early in my walk. It's sure. something that just over the last several years, I realized that it's my nature and not that I should have mediocrity and think that this is just how it's going to be, that I, I can make those improvements as I continue to rely on the Lord more. I'm, I'm less drawn to those things of the world. Mm-hmm. However, it's still the, our nature in the flesh to be drawn away from the Lord. And so uh, we're kind of pilgrims on this voyage and the, this journey that the Lord has allowed us to travel on to see where he wants us to set our sails to be drawn to him. And, you know, I use a lot of analogies and, and I do in my ministry and with the youth, but, um, you know, we have to have a northern star. You have to have your bearings set when you're on this pathway and uh, the winds of adversity blow against your life and you've got to refocus on where your your destination is and that's um, the Lord gets us in these clouds and uh, or the, not the Lord the adversary wants to put mm-hmm. us in these clouds in the midst of darkness like we're told in, in the Lehi's vision and and holding on to the word of God is our answer to to to, pat, to travel on this pathway that he's given us. So I don't want to, I don't want to get into preaching. I could spend no, that's all right. <laughs> that, that ties in what you said at the beginning of, you said things weren't working out for you. And I asked you, we'll expound on that. Well, without a Northern star, without a direction, the, the world has no Northern star. It's just feed whatever's at the moment, you know, but sure. there is no ultimate it's money or fame or whatever. And yep. you see that, Every one of those things is gone. I did anyway. Well, truth is relevant in the world, and it's based on uh, whoever wants to have that that perspective, and their perspective is their truth, and that truth 
is what they feel is, and, and we still have that nature to do that too, even in the Gospels, uh, to set our own standards. Um, but the Lord is, the God, God has set a standard through the, the walk of His Son, Jesus Christ, and that we're to, to follow Him in the footsteps of sacrifice and service and um, pointing all people even Christ, you know, he pointed all people to his father in heaven. Right. Well, when you, so when you, you were dating Stephanie, did you, um, did you have a moment of, you know, what's this book of Mormon about? I mean, did you have a hard time accepting that? Or was that just part of, uh, this course the Lord has set you on it? It just fell into place. Did you have a conversion moment, a process? Yeah. What'd that look like? Well, for me, I was, uh, I found it interesting, um, I uh, I was searching for truth and light and an understanding of God's love and His work, and I was in a a college literature class, and this is before I understood a lot about the gospel or anything really. Um, and I, the professor at the time, had us doing a an exercise. And it was a visionary thing. We had closed our eyes, and he said, "I want you to walk down this pathway. I want you to vision what this path looks like." And on the side of it, there was a there's a running water, and on uh, the other side, there's, there's some trees. And I want you to see, and, and there's some rocks in the water. Pick out all these and measure them in your eye. And he, he has walking down this pathway step by step. And he said, then almost, then you, this pathway leads to a gate, and you see a gate. I want you to envision what that gate looks like and how, to, how it operates, how it works. And then he said, now you're on the other side of the gate, and what do you see? And interestingly enough, he called me to ask me what I saw on the other side of the gate. And I didn't think about it so much at the time, but he's, you know, he's, he's this is a pathway of life. He's really kind of talking us through and, and it has some, they have some things that they points to in this, this exercise. But on the other side of this gate, I saw a pathway that led up to a, a relatively mid-sized hill with a big city on the top. Uh, but I think the most interesting point that was given to me, again, this is before I was in the church and knew anything about the church really, was to the left there was a pathway that went down, and it went down into this woods. And the woods were dark, kind of dark woods, but on the other side of the, the wood line, I could see on another rise of a hill, this pathway came back out, and that pathway led back up to that kingdom. Mm. And so um, when, you're, when, you're, when, the, when the gospel talks about a prison house, uh, for me, that that was a testimony that there was something on the other side of this world that we don't under, we can't fully understand. And then when I read about, when I study these things about the Lord's work continues on the other side, and then along with that experience I had in college with doing this, it, it seems like a, a just mm-hmm. a, a do nothing experience. But it, it <laughs> but how I don't know why that would have been the experience was was put there where I could see something was there's more work to be done on the other side of this on the veil of this life anyway. So wow, that's another point. So so uh, I forgot the original question. Did you end up uh, were you baptized before you got married? Did that come later? That- yeah. So it came it came later. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was a process of sure. studying it and 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 understanding the gospel uh, as the Lord revealed it here in the latter days and and recognizing that uh, that I had obligation to, to serve the Lord and a pri- well, not an obligation, but a privilege to serve. And so he, uh, 
he convicted me of my sin and 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 not that once I went down in the water that all things were and that's that's another fallacy i think right. some people as you know take is that when you make that commitment we feel that oh we're walking on the right side now and all's going to be well and and they're just a new new uh adversities that come in life of different types so yeah so so you came <clears throat> Everything, when you read the Book of Mormon, let me just ask you, for those people out there being a convert to the church, did you find um, this testimony of Christ contained in that? I mean, Oh, sure. I, yeah, throughout it. And, you know, of course, every, some people have different sections that are they're more drawn to. Mm-hmm. But um, it, I, was so, I was so taken by uh, some of the, some of the words we find in Alma, and that, of course, I shared a portion of those with you, but even how it talks about how, um, you know, sometimes people don't uh, recognize, I would commend to them the first three chapters of Mosiah, I think if you're, oh, ta- yeah. I think it's really important, but um, there's a section in here that I uh, refer to as the, the, um, the devil's <laughs> or Satan's playbook, and uh, he, he yeah. uses it, um, in Second Nephi chapter twelve, we find that uh, these words are uh, are given to us, and we have uh, opportunity to to learn how it is that the attacks come to us. Again, I don't mean to I don't mean to preach. No, <laughs> no, 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 this is your testimony. But, <laughs> but um, you know, again, uh, trying to express this in a way to understand that God loves us so much, and people say, "Well, why do why do these things come into our lives? Why do they have to happen?" But he tells us all the things that are going to happen, and and so he loves us so much. He says, "This is what's this is the playbook. This is how <laughs> the adversary is going to come come into your try to come into your life." And you know, I may I won't read it, but in <clears throat> in uh, Genesis chapter three three verse five, it talks about kind of like uh, I, I call it uh, Satan's mission statement. What his mission is to distract us, to deceive, and to lie, and to lead us astray away from the word of God. And he also, but in um, Speaking, you're directing your thoughts to the Book of Mormon in the Second Nephi twelve twenty three through twenty eight. I use these as a four plays the adversary uses in her life to draw us away from from God, and it it says, um, I'll just start in twenty four. It says, and behold, at that day shall shall he rage in the hearts of the children of men and stir them up into anger against that which is good. So for me, the adversary's first play is to rage and have anger. He wants us that that anger, the lack of peace, if you will, mm-hmm. to be in our hearts. And he wants. Uh, and the next, the play too is to pacify us. And I use this one a lot because I think this is where the world uh, it tries to draw us away from the from the our, our, our Savior. It says, and others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security that they they will say, all is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospereth. All is well. And I use this I, with the youth, with the kids, and it can it, it can be worked with the uh, adults too. But is I take a pacifier, <laughs> and I think about what a pacifier's intention is. And it says here he'll pacify and lull them away. And the world wants to pacify us by the things of the world. And a pacifier is used for a baby when it cries. It's just oh, yeah. to make them think in their mind that they're getting fed, <laughs> that they're receiving some type some of milk, some n- milk yeah. or some nur- something that's nurturing that's going to cause them to grow, but it has no substance. And so the adversary, one of his plays is to pacify us and let us be satisfied by the things of the world, but yet it gives us no strength or nourishment or growth. 
but it makes us in our mind think that we're getting what we want. And so, uh, and then it says, and through that process of, of pacifying, he cheateth their souls and leadeth them carefully away down to hell. The third, the third play is he flatter, he others, he flattereth away and telleth them there is no hell. And he's saying to them, I am no devil for there is none. And then lastly, it says, and thus he whispereth in their ears until he grasps them with his awful chains from whence there is no deliverance. And, and so for me, God loves us so much that in the, in the Book of Mormon, he tells us, hey, this is what, this is what could happen, what may happen. He's going to come at you with one of these plays, and he's going to draw you away. And, and so as soon as I start to get upset, which still happens to me today, I get angry or upset, I have to think, okay, where's that spirit of anger coming from? And I need to put it in its place and recognize it's not from the Lord. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that answered any more about the, but the, the plainness of the Book of Mormon and how it is that it relates to our lives today and, and throughout all time is, is for me, self-evident of uh, the gospel that's contained yeah. in it in Christ. Well, I, would, I appreciate you sharing that. Let, let me ask you a question, Ed. So <clears throat> being, <clears throat> be, <clears throat> excuse me, being in the police department and, um, I think back, and I was only a police officer for a few years, but even in those few years, uh, you know, the brotherhood, the, um, of course, I was camaraderie, in camaraderie. Yeah. Back in the days, you know, I was in college, and, you know, there was, of course, the drinking and all that. And so how have you walked the line? Um, uh, some of the best people I knew were police officers, but there was also, like, another element in there that were in it for the wrong reasons. But how have you walked that line where you've maintained – um, your Christian attitude, your attitude of love for other people, because I, I, I know back then, and I was much less mature than I am now, but it was easy to be an us versus them mm-hmm. mentality. And, uh, that even carried over when I was working in the ER sometimes early on that you would see other people and automatically you would feel you were better than them. And then as time went on, I realized there's just, I mean, what is the difference between the guy that goes out and kills somebody in my heart, like, I mean, is it, was it one decision? Was it the parents I had? Was it a, 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 a series of things that happened? Are we that different from each other? And you see anger and hate and violence, you know, all the time. Um, what do you think about that, that us versus them? Or, um, or are we more all alike and just a conglomeration of all of that within us? What do you yeah, I mean, there's several layers to that question as I'm processing yeah, it. But as I babbled <laughs> on. <laughs> no, that's all good. Um, but ultimately, I, I think that, um, you know, where we find our hope. You know, a lot of times in, in the world, people have no hope. And and like you you alluded to, is your, your family, your parents taught you that there is hope in Christ or there's hope beyond this world. And for some people— all they know is this world. They, they don't know that Jesus Christ is, is a redeemer, and he came to save them from the, the fallen state that we find ourselves in from the time of Adam and Eve. But, but ultimately, there's, a, there's, there's a, something's happened in the lives of the people that have caused them to want to engage in the things of the world that have, and, and people are just a an obstacle to get what they want sometimes. And, mm. and, and that's not much different than anybody. You know, I think sometimes we look and we try to, we focus on, um, something that we want to obtain and, and the people sometimes just get in the way of that, um, whether that's in the wow. church or out of the church. And so, um, you know, I had experience, uh, we took, uh, 
several kids to reunion some years back, and some of them didn't know their parents. Some of them had uh, parents were in prison and they had relatives uh, raising them. And so we take these kids, and I the Lord had exp- taught me a lot in this short time I had with with them and that that environment at the reunion grounds was that they um, it was a dog eat dog world, and meaning um, if you want to get it in this world, you have to go take it. And um, the more, probably even more important thing was that it, I don't have to be at the top. I just can't be at the bottom. And the more I can, if somebody looks like they're getting a position of stature and they're getting up on a pedestal, the best way to get even or above them is to knock them back down. And so it, a lot of times in the world that people attack other people because they may not be at the top, but at least they're not at the bottom. And so in that experience, I saw that they were attacking other people and they would jump on that person and push them down because they knew that person was lower than them and in, in, in some stature in their mind. And, and so I see that play out, you know, here as a, as I work is that people just, they, they, they try to obtain something the world says has value and stature and yet whatever it takes to get that, as long as they're not the low person, they don't have to say they're at the bottom. And generally, um, this could get kind of long, but a lot of times uh, there are people that had a lot of tra- a lot of trauma growing up as a child, and there's a lot of things that happen. And so, in the process of understanding how they how they fit in the world, it's a broken world from a broken family without any hope. They you know a lot of times there's coping mechanisms, drugs and alcohol, or uh, go take what you want to make it to make you feel better about your position. So, um, and then just that anger that, that resonates in a lot of people's lives, uh, you know, and I don't want to get into a lot of stories, but just two blocks from here, I, you know, I'm stuck in the middle of a shootout between two people that started over a road rage. And I'm literally standing, looking down the barrel as they're shooting at each other. And, and so, and it all started over somebody where they call mean mugging them, you know, and then next thing you know, it What's turned dirt, <clears throat> dirty look. Yeah. Dirty look. And then, uh, they start back and forth. And next thing you know, somebody that didn't even know they're shooting at each other. And, and so those things, the, the way the world doesn't, uh, have you know, struggles, I should say, doesn't have it, but struggles to have that peace that the Lord can provide is is really the what is missing in the lives of so many people and um the other thing i have to be careful of is we always want to say we want to blame somebody for everything and it's easy for me to sit back and blame you know media and blame this the schools or the government for pulling the church away from the kids and i've taken on a position i try to anyways most of the time is that um, we look at opposition and we want to blame somebody. But for me, I, I try to look at opposition as meaning that's an opportunity. So whenever there's opposition in life, that means there's an opportunity for somebody to do something instead of wasting my time and energy on things I can't control, using it on things that can make a difference on. And, and that's, and that can be difficult at times, but ultimately I think that's our calling is to make a difference in the world, to point people's lives to their creator and let them know that this world doesn't have what you, whatever, everything you need. And it's just a, uh, an opportunity to, to learn how God uh, loves you and is seeking you out. And um, again, I could go on and on about a lot of those 
elements, but I probably got off your question. No, that's exactly, you're exactly right on. You know, it, you have a different perspective. You have a unique perspective that I wanted to draw on today just because you are involved in that uh, part of society. But what I just heard from you is, you know, the exact opposite. You know, Christ came and taught this upside-down kingdom, and you're seeing these problems are because, uh, what you said several times, people get in the way of what you want or what society tells you you need. And then Christ comes down and, and he does the opposite. He says, no, people are the way. I mean, people are the value. <clears throat> the kingdom is all about the people that you see all around you and how you treat them and how you love on them. And that is the way. There is no other thing beyond that, right? That is love me and love those around you. And so that's what I just heard from you was the exact opposite. It sounds like Satan just the exact opposite of using people that are in the way to accomplish what you want and missing the whole. Oh, for sure. And that's, and that's his nature is to draw us away from, from our, from our Lord. And, uh, I, we, we <laughs> it's funny because in the flesh we want, we are naturally drawn to things that bring us comfort and peace and we run from pain and pain has its place for for education for teaching us not that we should be sadistic and say i want i want to be engaged in that pain but understanding when pain comes in life whether it's spiritual uh, whether it's a pain of a child or decisions that are that are happening in the world whatever that is is those are opportunities to take us places that we couldn't go on our by ourselves and so uh, ultimately allowing the experiences of life difficult as they may be and recognizing that they are they are they can be a driving force that takes you to to understand god in a much more personal uh way that you couldn't have gotten to without going through that that pain and and again not saying that we should strive for the pain but that we understand that when pain comes in life which it will that it it's an opportunity to grow and to know him better uh and I use that again analogy that um, the hills and valleys of life, you know, we always want to be up on the high points of life where we have the airs clear and we can see forever. We have mm-hmm. a vision, but down in the valley of life, uh, we find ourselves stretching through the mud and trying to get through all the, the trials. And well, for me, you know, the rain comes and washes all the nutrients from the top and everything grows in the valley. And so when I'm in the valley of life, I know I'm in the rich soil to grow and to gain strength in that time of trial. But I know that to the definition of valley is between two high points. So I know that there's the Lord's going to, these ebb and flows of life at mm-hmm. times going to come and take us times that push us down to times of learning or times of growing in the valley. But, at, you know, in those high points, we have time of vision to see beyond our years. And, and so understanding even as, as a youth that you can't always be on the top of the mountain and just stay there because the work's down in the in the valley where the nutrients is. And so um, understanding that painful process of being in the valleys, um, though we don't ask, we don't want people to be there, we don't want to be there, understanding when you're there, you have uh, a rich soil to, to wow. grow from. Perspective. Well, let me ask you, <clears throat> you said um, as long as people don't have to be on the bottom and they can put someone else down there, they're okay. How do you rise through the ranks of the, you know, we, people look at the government and say it's political and there's all kinds of things going on. How do you maintain your, char- your, your character um, and rise through the ranks of the police department uh, to major? Um, have you ever found your religion or I assume people around you obviously know you're a Christian. Has that ever come into conflict or um, 
Yeah, has that ever been? People look down on you for that, or? Well, I, I'll tell you this testimony. Um, a lot of times, I, I went to the police academy back in '95 with a with a guy, and then about ten years later, I was as a supervisor. I remember um, I was in at, is after a shift meeting, and we were all kind of broken up, and everybody kind of had a couple little groups going on, and I this other. This other um, officer wasn't in my conversation. He was on the back side of the room. And, and here I am in this conversation. I said something that wasn't Christ-like. And he stopped what he was doing. He turned to me and says, Turner, that's the first time I ever heard you say something like that. And for me, it was a great experience. It was, it was a little humbling because I realized I didn't represent Christ at the moment. But I also recognized that everyone's always watching. Mm. They're wanting to see if you're going to live by what you say and do. And so you're, that's why I say your life is a living testimony because the best sermons aren't all, aren't all those ones heard. There's the mm. one that they see. And if you can live out a life that points people to Christ and, and, and understanding you're going to fall short, but if you have opportunity to live it out and so people can see and know that you're committed to this, this gospel then you you are testifying to the lives of the people. You don't have to stand behind a pulpit and preach it. You just you have to be able to uh, live your life so that it points to Christ and the Northern Star. And so now in that experience, I realize that everything I do say has impacts, and I have an opportunity. So kind of getting back into the weeds of what your original mm-hmm. question was was how does that impact me in my vocation? Is that I uh, I had to learn that um, so many times people want to take their vocation and their their faith and separate them. But when you, it took many many years. But as I found that as I combined them and make them one, and they're not they're not separate anymore. It's just all one. Everything is under the under the work of the Lord. It changes the way I approach stuff. And uh, you know, I had an experience of during a promotion service with hundreds of people there and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to stand there and give thanks to, to, to the Lord and my savior, Jesus Christ, or am I going to negate that and just say, thank you for being here. I thank my family for their sacrifice and me being gone at night and weekends and holidays and birthdays. You know, for me, it was a, it was an experience, you know, like we're told in Romans, don't be ashamed of the gospel. I think it's one Romans one sixteen. It talks about how it is that we can't be ashamed of it and we've got to be a forthcoming and, mm-hmm. and, and speak the name of Christ. Anytime we have a chance, not boastfully in a sense of, or in a, to aggravate anybody, but as I, if as opportunity arises, give thanks to him and, and give uh, honor to him for what he's done by sustaining our lives. And so for me, those opportunities. And then after that experience, I've had opportunity to, to preside over a, a funeral service for people involved with the with um, uh, the police department and and other you know preach at a, a special service for law enforcement and different op- windows of opportunity opened up. But I've had a uh, many blessings in the Lord's uh, His hand in in mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, well, that's cool because I imagine like you know the end of a stressful shift, you know, whatever you went through. A bunch of guys want to go out to the bar or whatever. Oh sure, and so you're. Um, excluding yourself from yeah. that. And so, you know, and yet still maintaining the camaraderie or the respect of those officers, you've been able to do that 
by living what I mean, they respect you for living what you believe as opposed sure. to sure. And and of course, any bodies of people get together and know that everybody's going to see eye to eye. And some people don't don't may not admire the fact that right. I live that way. And I'm, I don't know who, who that might be, but I know that I have had people approach me on the side when life gets tough and the dust is there is all dusted up in their life and everything is un, uh, uneasy. And they just would ask me some questions about life in general. Mm-hmm. And I, I, again, I'm, it's no testament to me. It's a testament of the Lord's work in and Absolutely. through my life from many trials and many falling on my face many a time, but those opportunities come up where you get bringing ministry, uh, when people are in a spot that's difficult. And so I, I found that, uh, in my vocation, you know, I spending time on the, uh, on the SWAT team and, and doing those activities where you're engaged in, in the, some of the most, some of the most, uh, difficult things in people's life. And, uh, you, you find that, um, you had alluded to something you said about the type of people that you serve with when you're in law enforcement is that, you know, those some, some may be a little rough around the edges. Um, I have not met one, an, an officer when they go to work, they won't put themselves between danger and a person, you know, they're, they're going out to intercept that danger so that the, the citizens won't have to deal with that. Granted, we can't be there all the time, all the places, but one of the greatest ministries I see that all police officers provide is that uh, they're willing to go into harm's way for the sake of somebody they don't even know. Uh, and it's a calling, I, I believe. And as you as you also mentioned, that some people aren't always, uh, you know, they have alternative things or things happen in their life and they get drawn drawn away from that. But uh, ultimately, they're they're in a life of service mm-hmm. to, to other people. That's that's amazing testament to me, Ed, <clears throat> going through everything you've gone through and then being in the position uh, you're in today. And I, I wondered if uh, uh, just your who you are as a minister, if there were times when, um, just because of the nature of the job, if people did come to you and, and for guidance or because um, they have those quiet moments where they pondered on it. You early on, Corey and I did an episode on the veil. We talked about this veil that constantly lives over our eyes that makes this world seem um, as real as it is, and yet there's this other world that we're all heading for. Have you noticed uh, just because of the nature of your job and facing those things? Have you felt like that's helped you see that this life is short, or do you still see that there's this veil that we have to purposefully look behind? You know, beyond to to not let this world wrap us up and yeah. So I, um, you know, I had a somewhat of a vision, I guess I, 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 um, the Lord allowed me to understand this veil a little bit. <laughs> and, um, and this doesn't really go exactly in line with what your question is, but this is where I was, I'm drawn as you asked the question mm-hmm. is that, um, I had a vision of, of Christ separating the veil and he's on his knee, and uh, he's bent down on the knee, and he's got one arm up, parting the veil, and stand to inter- as an intercessory for us to God, and how it was that we uh, are. It's necessary for us to have Christ in our life, so that we can, can have that communion with the Lord, and for, in heaven, and and understand that it's only in and through the blood of Jesus Christ that we have opportunity to. Um, 
to have that connection to our maker, to our creator. And that, that veil is, um, at times been, uh, revealed to me that we have uh, a privilege of bringing other people to Christ, <laughs> you know, cause that there is a separation and people can't see. And I, I use this a uh, piece of tapestry. I use it a lot of times for a visual aid it, uh, as a, um, and one side has a, it has a, bunch of knots and different colors and you can't make anything out. And so I show this to somebody, particularly youth and you see the back of it and it makes no sense. And it just loops and knots and makes it just like, what is that? Well, then I flip it over and it's an immaculate piece of art that has a pattern. Everything had a design, everything has a purpose, but yet on the backside of this, we can't see it. And so I've used that as an example on this veil that separates us from God in the outside of his presence, we find that the world makes no sense. And we have all these strands that are, are nodding up and don't know what they're for or what they're used for. But on the other side where he's, his handiwork is at, we see that each one of those has a, a value. And so I then <laughs> take a just a step further, even in the lives that I find in my vocation, as I walk in, in, in serving in law enforcement is that each life that, has is like a strand and it's pushed through this veil and pulled back pushed through and we have these times of of, uh, the lord revealing himself in new ways to us and and i realize that each one of us have a work to do in his his handiwork and how it's not my job to figure out what their job is it's my job to point them towards christ so they can be involved in the in the coming forth of his kingdom on earth and being a part of his work in these latter days um and I, I, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm going to keep going here just for a That's minute fine. on something else is that something else I find in, in this world, and I alluded to it, that the, the youth and people in the world that find that we have been trained by the world to have instant gratification. I can go, I can pick up my phone right now and, and I can push a button and by end of the day or tomorrow, I can have a package on my door. If I want food delivered, I can push a button and it'll be here in an hour. You know, we have this, Mm -hmm. and these things are trained in us and we don't know, we don't realize it sometimes. And so I find that this is a mission creep and this mission creep happens because now we've applied this concept of the temporal world into a spiritual. And, and, and so (laughs) for me, I think of stoning a Stephen and the last the last person Saul that documented in, in, in scripture that Saul persecuted was Stephen before he walked up that hill to Damascus and the Lord revealed himself. And so maybe someday I'll, I'll find an answer on this and it's not relevant that I do, but what difference did Saul, did Stephen's sacrifice and the way he gave up his life for the gospel make a difference in pricking his heart that, Saul might have had the question, what is it about this Jesus mm. Christ that people are willing to forgive me for killing him, to ask just to receive me into heaven? And what is it? Was that enough that, that pricked his heart to, to have him ask the question of the Lord? And the God said, there's my avenue. You just needed to have realized there was something to me. Mm. And, and that light came and he was blinded. And just, as you know, the, the story goes, the... Wow. Well, and if I could take it just a little bit further, um, we do that with our money. We put it in the bank and we only, we want to put it where it's going to yield the most return. 
farmers do it by nature. They look at the farmland, which I'm going to plant seed, which is going to gain the most uh, yield at the end of that crop cycle. And so sometimes I've had a tendency to use that that mission creep in my life to say, what value is it that I spend time with this person? What do I yield from it? What do I get from it? And I think David even was told Solomon's going to build a temple. You can't build it. You just need to make preparation for the next person. So for me, as I work in the, in, in my vocation and work in the, in the gospel is that it's not for me to yield any benefit from my efforts. Uh, although at times it's my nature to want to see the benefit and to say, I need instant gratification. I need to show that my efforts are making a, a dividend, paying dividends towards the gospel. But when I can step back and say, I just need to serve and do my part to the best of my ability and the Lord will do the rest. I find that um, I get out of the way of the God doing the work and not worried about what benefit I get out of it and worry about what the kingdom's benefit is. And that was a long way to get into the point that Mm-mm. we have a tendency by world's worldly standards to measure our worth and our value and where we spend time with people based on what we think we're going to get out of our time with them. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember where we started that. I love where we just ended up. That's, that's really good. That's, that's, that takes some pressure off too, doesn't it? If you're, if you're expecting um, a certain dividend to be paid or whatever at the end and it doesn't happen, then you start doubting God or you start doubting the process or you start doubting the whole system. But if you, yeah. if you reframe your, uh, what the goal is, I guess. Sure. And it, it's, you know, it's a, not that we randomly go out and, uh, do whatever we want to do, just thinking the Lord will bless it, but mm-hmm. that we we recognize that our effort in serving other people isn't for our benefit. And that's that's a big transition for me. And I still slip into that from time to time. Like, what values does it bring me? And it's not about me. It's the same thing in my vo- my vocation, my calling to serve people in the, in the city in law enforcement. I'm serving the people and I'm trying to help everyone get get through their their trials, but ultimately, I shouldn't be doing it to see that I'm going to have any benefit from it. Um, mm-hmm. But that that is a whole is better because of it. Has there been some very, has there been some rewarding moments in your in your career looking back? Oh, sure. Anything you want to share? Um, you know, there's times um, I find that um, I I can share more about the gospel whenever the Whenever the trials of life have brought people down to a low point, um, you know, I mm-hmm. have to have discernment in that in my voca- in the vocation and ministry. I, you know, I, I don't want to proselytize right. in, in that position, but there's times when people have alluded to the fact that, uh, you know, they're lost or they've had some some direction with God in their past, but they don't know where to go now. And and those are opportunities that, that the Lord presents from time to time where you can you can, can draw people back to the Lord and, and directly, not just by your actions, but by talking to them about where to find the answers of life and that there's hope, you know. And uh, I, f- I find that even just recently, I find that, you know, we look at faith, hope, and charity, and I used to look at it as an independent entities, but I find that there there it's a string. And if you have mm-hmm. faith, and, and we you can see that in Scripture too, but if you have faith, you're going to have hope. And if you have hope, that means you have charity and charity is the pure love of Christ. And charity means you're giving 
to other people of yourself and even people that may not deserve it or you think need it or, you know, that you wouldn't pick out because of their, their lifestyle. But ultimately we're doing it not for our benefit, but for God's benefit. And, and I always like these words, um, we find in the book of, um, Moroni, uh, chapter seven, I believe it is, um, when it speaks of charity. And if I can read this, absolutely. Briefly, um, you can find a lot of words on charity, but uh, one of the questions I ask uh, people often, I said, if I told you this person is possessed, what's the first thing that goes in your mind? Well, mm-hmm. yeah, they've got the evil spirit in them. You know, they're, they're a, they've got a, the demon, their adversaries working in their life. But then uh, I'll read the scripture and I, and you can see this in other points where Paul speaks about it in a different, worded differently, but the same concept. Um, but here in uh, Moroni chapter seven, verse 52, it says, and when I when I read the word when I say the word possessed, I want you to think about how that how this reads. It says, "Wherefore, cleave unto charity, which is the greatest of all. For all things must fail, but charity is the pure love of Christ, and it endureth forever. And whoso is found possessed of it at the last day, it shall be well with them." Mm-hmm. And so, um, ultimately, I. It, as in my, my walk and my vocation is that when I am possessed with charity, meaning I don't have a choice. I'm a, like Paul said, I'm a prisoner of God. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I don't have a choice. I have to serve. And, and it's, uh, I'm possessed with the, with the desire to help other people, to serve them and to give them, uh, point them towards their, their maker. I, f- I feel like that, that is my, my intent is to, to direct people back to their God, to their creator, and, um, and it's being possessed by the good spirit. And you, uh, have you seen, because of uh, being involved with society so close and intimately um, over the past <clears throat> 25 years, have you seen society change for the worse, or is it just because we have so many more media outlets that we see uh, more often what's going on and, and maybe it was always there or do you sense any spiritual mm, any spiritual winds blowing across this country have changed do you see what do you think yeah I, I, I mean I've seen a change and part of it is um, the spending less time with people a part of it you know electronically even like the listeners now you know, you don't have this personal interaction with me. Mm-hmm. We're doing it digitally over a, and which is a great tool, but sometimes we've, I've found that the ability to, um, to not recognize a person as a person and, and whether it's video games or whether it's, uh, just dialogue through texting or emails that we lose the ability to, to connect with people there. Every time you connect with a person, you are making a spiritual, you, we may think of it as a physical connection, but there's a spiritual realm that happens okay. too, that we are spiritually connected to people. And so the less we are connecting the person and people in, in direct person to person, we're missing a lot of opportunity to connect with a person. And so we, I, I found that it's easier to say things on the internet or say, say things on a post or form or whatever that you wouldn't say in person. And so we, we don't recognize the spirit that it carries and we don't recognize the spirit that the person's carrying because we're not engaged with them. And, and so there's probably a lot to be said on this matter more than, 
we have time for. But ultimately, I, I do see a change. But the, the change is, I see two changes. <laughs> I see a change where there is a big push and part of it just more information out there. And we see more that's going on because it's being shared. But I also see an under underlying movement of, of spirituality that uh, is drawing people to understand that the world's kind of running off track and mm-hmm. the way that people want to go doesn't have a foundation and eventually there's no standard at all. And, mm. and so there is this underlying and, and we know that there's a, there's, there's a thinning of the people that are going to be relying on God. And there's a lot of people are going to run off and to be in the world. And, and that's, that's opposition and that's opportunity for us to, to draw people to the Lord. But ultimately is understanding that, God has a plan, regardless of where the world wants to go. If I if I'm so contained about what the world's doing versus what God wants me to do, um, I can get sidetracked in 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 ministry to people just in my daily walk. And I'm not saying I say ministry. I'm not talking about preaching. I'm talking about living out a life of faith, of uh, being engaged and concerned about everybody's life and their well being, mm-hmm. um, spiritually and physically. You know what's really cool, Ed, is um, you see this. I, I hold up this notes. I got, I, I just charted out a little pathway of talking today, uh, knowing that, like I said, we knew of each other, but not, not uh, we don't have an intimate relationship. Sure. You know, we never sat down and talked like this yeah. in our life, other than. Um, but I had this little course here where I was going to talk to you about your law enforcement career and then go on into the ministry. And everything that you've said today has played out in the fact that. There is no separation. I'm already talking to you about your ministry, even though we've kind of been talking about your career on and off, and and it's all come together. And I see that as one person, and, and I see this as a great uh, hope and example of how we're supposed to live our life. And I tell people over and over uh, when we do these stories, we always feel like we need to follow up with a caveat, you know, well, you know, I'm a sinner. It's not me. It's Christ within us. But that's so obvious with everything you've shared today that uh, we're all prone to wander. And yet you're just living your life out with the spirit of the Lord within you and all the good that you do. I know you give honor to him for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's a blessing. And I know um, if I could share one more thing, it just goes, Oh yeah. Yeah. um, For me, we build on the foundation um, each, each day we're putting a, a stone up on, a, on our foundation, our faith, or maybe sometimes people are removing the cornerstone is always Jesus Christ. He is all things are measured from the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. But for me, one of my foundational testimonies and my next cornerstone was this experience when I was about 19, I just turned 19, eight, eight, late 18, early 19 years sure. old. And I was, I won't get into all the story cause I know we're probably short on time, but ultimately I was lost in the woods. I was out deer hunting. I was trailing, tracking the deer, and it was dark, and I had a small flashlight. Um, and I, uh, I found, I found the deer that I, I harvested it. I was trying to drag it back to an old logging road that came into this thousands of acres of land that sit wrapped around Missouri River. And I'm walking and walking, and I, ultimately, long story short, I realized I was lost. And and you do weird things when you're lost, and you do things that aren't don't even make sense. So here I am with a, a, a deer and a, a, bu- and a bow in one hand, and I'm literally running through the woods at one point yeah. through a process of trying to find my way out. And again, there's more detail of that, but, um, I did all I could lost in the moment. And, um, finally, um, 
I dropped to my knees in the middle of the woods with nobody around, and I I, uh, I prayed this prayer. I mean, it the second it went through my head, it was answered. Those aren't always the way it works, but I, I knew I, I really had faith that God could do whatever he wanted to do. And I knelt down in the woods, and I, I said, Lord, uh, just give me a sign. I, I mean, I, did, I, I didn't ask him to get me out. I said, just give me a sign. And as soon as I was on my knees and I, that prayer went through my mind, I heard a coon dog bark over to my left. And I'd known, I remember sitting in that tree stand hearing that dog bark, and I knew that I'd crossed over on that old logging road on my hands and knees into another section of woods. But ultimately, there's, again, there's more detail in that, but I want to, I ran across this scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, and this is a pattern that God uses, I feel, in, in our lives. And this pattern is that um, it holds true as a, as, a, as a nation, as a body, as an individual, uh, at least in my life it has. And it's going to tell us four things in how God works. It's going to talk about humbling. He's going to talk about proving uh, he's going to talk about your heart, and he's going to talk about his com- the commandments. And here he, he led the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. And it says this verse, it says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And so when these trials of life come, it, in my vocation, the trials of life come in my ministry, uh, in, in my home, in my family, uh, my children. I find that there's a pattern here. He he wants us to be humble. He wants us. He's gonna. He wants to know our heart. He, he wants to prove us. He wants to know our heart and see if we'll follow his commandments in the midst of that trial. And so, um, for me, lost in the wilderness, that boy, as a boy. And giving that up to the Lord, he had to take me to a place that I was humble enough to drop to my knees and realize I can't answer these questions. I can't get myself out of the situation. But the God, the God of um, God of all the universe, can get us out of the problem if we uh, can humble ourselves and allow Him access to it. So that's been my testimony that He's always He's always there, wanting to answer the questions when we would come to Him. We'll fight him too, won't we? Tooth and nail, fight him until we drop to that, till we get to that point. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot I did in the woods there, not <laughs> to get my way out, but I finally I did everything I possibly right. physically knew how to do, and I couldn't get out of it. So, yeah, it. I think maybe well, there's there's a lot of stuff here we didn't get to, but you you shared some great uh, nuggets today. Um, I was going to ask you just real briefly. Someone asked you, Ed, what's the gospel? What would you say? It's the salvation of man from the fallen state. It's mm. it's a know that it's the good news. And and so many times, like when you say the word repentance, repentance has become a, a byword, a, a word that people don't like to talk about because that means you have to admit you're doing something that's not right. And this in the world today, failure isn't an option. We don't allow people to fail because failure is something that's not acceptable Failure is part of life, and failure means we recognize failure is not failure unless you quit trying, for me. And so when you've fallen short and you've, you've done what you can and you've fallen short, the, God says, hey, i got a plan for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And that's the good news. The gospel is mm. we God has prepared a way for us to come back in the presence of our Creator and that and that that pathway is Jesus Christ, and and so the good news is, he's prepared that, and he knows that uh, 
he's paid the ultimate price and he says my grace is sufficient for those those that try and then that seek me out you will find that there's there's grace and there's mercy and there's peace um, that surpasses all understanding and so I don't know if that answers your question. Oh, For that's, me, that's that's how I I see the the gospel is that um, and that provides the hope, and in that hope, uh, we return. We we that hope should uh, be reciprocated into the lives of other people with charity by giving giving to others that have need. <clears throat> no, I love that. I I feel like if we had a, a room of a hundred people, and we ask each one that question, we may answer it in a different way, and they could all be right. Um, but I love you didn't hesitate and you went right into that, the salvation of man. And that's, that's pretty neat. What we, we maybe some other time hey, we can do round two. I uh, didn't talk to you about your, I know you were a counselor for my, uh, or you were involved with a mountain camp this past year. My son was able to go to that. Um, thank you for serving your community. I live in the community that you serve. So, Pleasure. Uh, um, anything else you want to? No, I add I, to the. No, I appreciate your ministry, and I hope uh, hope others find that uh, they have opportunity in, in whether daily walk that they can make a difference. Uh, so many times we're wanting to do it to a big a big stage, but sometimes it's just uh, mm. for that one soul that uh, you can connect with can make a difference for them. The Lord's uh, can use that for His good. I sure uh, I appreciate getting to know you better, and you shared some wonderful testimonies. It's neat to see how the Lord had His finger on you all the way back, even yeah. when you didn't. And then that He allowed you to then see that later on—that all of those little uh, things that were leading up to uh, to a point where you are—you do have something to say, yeah, in, in many different ways. And you're saying it in uh, the way you live your life, not just from the pulpit. Go ahead. One more testimony. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, I keep dragging this thing You know on. what? Back in the day, we, we'd buy reel-to-reel tape, but digital is almost unlimited, so okay. go, go ahead. Well, uh, you something came to me. You asked about how it works in my vocation, my, some of my promotions. was um, I had to learn to put put God first, and that's not always easy. Um, I talked about dividing, taking that line that divides your faith and your vocation, but um, I was studying for a test for a commander's test, promotion test. And uh, it, to do it right, it takes several months. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot to study and you prepare for. And I was driving past uh, Tom Dooley's house. He's since passed, and he's a great-grandson of Joseph Luff. And there was a land that uh, Joseph Luff had bought over there by Aldi's on 23rd Street um, off 291. And and so I'm driving past his house one time, and the Lord said, you stop and say hi to, to Tom Dooley. And I'm like, I put my foot on the brake and I started to turn and I like, and that fast, this, I snapped my fingers here that quick. This is a thought that went through my head. You know, if I stop there, Tom Dooley attends down at uh, chill Howie branch and he's going to go back and talk to Clayton Foss. Clayton Foss is going to, he's going to say, once you have Ed Turner come down to preach and I'm studying for a promotion and I don't have time <laughs> to go preach right now because I need to be studying for my promotion. So I, took my foot off the brake, put it on the accelerator and drove right past Tom's house. And I never told anybody about that experience. Well, the next week the phone rings and Clayton Foss calls me and he says, Ed, can you come down and preach down at Chill Howie? <laughs> and, um, so for me, you know, a lot of times like, um, <laughs> we can run from the Lord, you know, like Jonah did, we can try to, but he's always calling us to, to serve the people. And, um, and that's our nature. 
that's just in, but to respond when those times come and I'm thankful he's been patient with me, um, throughout my many years and continue just to be patient with me. That's great. That's great. You yeah. had that whole conversation in your head and then that happened anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it just happened. I love how you, how did that come to your mind just now? Just thought about sharing it. Yeah. I just, you know, the, I, I thought about not answering your questions earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I would just rambling on and start going down a pathway no. lane of conversation. And one of the things that came to me was you would specifically ask about my vocation and yeah, yeah. promotion and being, Call and how does that work with really gotcha. just responding to when the Lord calls you to be ready to answer and, um, you know, just be faithful knowing that he'll take care of it. I didn't know if you were a man of many words or few words. Uh, your texts are very brief, and I thought, boy, I hope I hope we have uh, – that there's not some awkward <laughs> silence today, and it's, it's flowed very nicely. So I'm thankful that you uh, have been open in sharing your heart with sure. the listeners. I know they'll be blessed. So I thought I had one other thing, and, um, well, it's all right. Well, no, that's, I, I, again, I appreciate this ministry, and hopefully, um, um, you know, somebody finds some, some yeah. benefit from it that – point somebody to the Lord and who could be used for, for his good. I think so. And I look at it like if somebody spends an hour listening to you share what you just shared, um, that's an hour that, um, that the Lord is able to just, that they're able to have time with him and their spirit. So that's a blessing. Well, uh, we thank you all for tuning in and listening. Um, thank you, Ed, for coming. And as always, uh, these are stories of the saints. Ed, you're a saint. And you're living your life, and we thank you because people today need to know that there are still people there, that the gospel is relevant, and that there's still people that um, love the Lord and want to put Him first. So thank you for, for just living your life, and I know you give all credit to Him. I thank the Lord. Appreciate your time. All right. All right.